This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. It's Die Hard, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. In this week's episode, it's our very special Christmas episode, even though we still got a couple weeks till Christmas. We're doing two Christmas yeah. episodes, so you'll get another one in two weeks, but which will be like on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Maybe be out early. Maybe a little early. Well, we're recording. We'll Anyways, regardless, uh, you'll have another Christmas episode and as to be announced. We'll tell you what that is at the end of the episode. But finally, getting to Die Hard. We were going to do it last year. Had a slight schedule change, but now we're doing Die Hard. Katie, we have all of our normal segments. Yes, we do. Even though some of them are a little shorter. So we're going to start with Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So I guess it's similar enough because you're just letting me do it? Yeah. Okay, I guess uh, like normally, yeah. So I'm just going to tell you what r- roughly happens in Die Hard. Uh, in case you haven't seen it, spoilers abound. But basically, uh, John McClane is a New York City detective or police officer. He's heading out to the West Coast to visit his wife, who has a big high-stakes executive job out in uh, at a company, uh, Nakatomi Corp, out on the West Coast. It's their Christmas Eve. He's going to visit for the Christmas party and to do something. I don't remember exactly. He's not just visiting her. He's getting to see the kids. I don't know. Yeah. Something. He's going to see the kids, like, but he's hoping to, like, yeah. repair things. Their wedding is on, their marriage is on the rocks because yeah. of her job. She is, uh, they're, they're living on the opposite sides of the country, but it was on the rocks before she took the job and they moved. Um, and it's just kind of exacerbated things. She's not using his name anymore. Uh, she's going by Holly Gennaro instead of Holly McLean. Um, but he shows up at her company Christmas party on the Christmas Eve. Uh, and as he's there, terrorists, quote unquote, uh, break into the building and then lock it down and hold everybody hostage as they try to break into the vault on the 30th floor to get the bank bonds or some sort of bonds or something out of the vault. Um but they they get everybody rounded up except for John McClane, who has his police issue uh, gun on him. And then he goes about over the course of the movie, slowly taking out the terrorists uh, and outwitting them and uh, out John McClaning them all around the building before finally coming face to face with. Uh, meanwhile, there's uh, the cops and the FBI show up, and there's a bunch of hijinks with them where they kind of bumble and mess everything up. Um, and then finally, there's a big uh, showdown between John McClane and Hans Gruber, who played by Alan Rickman, the main bad guy. John McClane saves the day. Hans Gruber falls out a window. Everybody's happy except for a few t- t- hostages that died. <laughs> a couple of them. Uh, Mr. Takagi and uh, 
Ellis. Ellis. Ellis dies. There might be somebody else, but yeah. for sure those two. Yeah. And yeah, but uh, other than that, happy day. Reginald Vale Johnson gets figures out he can still kill people. Great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the end. Uh, that's a rough premise. Says uh, John McClane. Bruce Willis saves everybody from terrorists in a tower on Christmas Eve. And then the book is pretty much the same. Yeah, the book is. Well, the premise of it is premise is the basically same. the yeah. same. Great. So let's move on to guess who. Who are you? No one of consequence. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Okay. We only so, have one. Yeah, we have one here. Okay. I well, I, I marked a couple of descriptions um, in the book, but they were mostly of the different terrorists, none of whom I felt like really had equivalents. Gotcha. Except for one, but he didn't have a description. So okay. we have one description here. Perfect. I think I'm gonna nail it. <laughs> He was black, young, with high cheekbones and almond eyes. I, the fact that he's a young black man, we have really, well, there's technically three like important black characters in this movie. Uh, I would not call Reginald Vell Johnson young. Um, and not necessarily uh, uh, Hayes. I think it is, I can't remember. Um, the, the the safe cracker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also not particularly young, but he's young. But uh, so that leaves Argyle, which who's the driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess that Argyle. I assume, assuming that this, you said the plot's similar. He still has to get to the building somehow. Maybe he has a driver, and maybe that's who this is. Um, yeah, it's it's Argyle's equivalent. Okay, ish. His name's not um, Argyle. He doesn't have a name. Oh, okay. He's not a named character, and he's a cab driver, not a limo driver. But, but like the rough equivalent. Rough equivalent. Cool. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the shortest Guess Who segment ever. <laughs> All right, let's go and see. This is it. There's so many things you're going to find out in this next segment. Was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read... I really had no idea, uh, like, what elements, you know, because with this thing like this, this can be one of those ones that is very loosely inspired by, mm-hmm. like, oh, some terrorist attack and this police officer saves the day, or it could be very similar mm-hmm. down to, like, dialogue and stuff. So I, I have a, a wide-ranging uh, top uh, sort of series of questions that do range from general premise all the way to a lot of, you know, because of this movie is so iconic with some of its lines, I had to ask specific lines to see if any of those were pulled from the book. We'll get to those in just a little bit. But first, per as per our discussion on the prequel episode about whether or not this is a Christmas film, is the book set at Christmas? It is. It's Christmas Eve. Well, there the you Okay, so there's some evidence that... Oh, I say evidence. They at least maybe it would have been less evident. Maybe it would have been if it wasn't set at Christmas, but they decided to make it set at Christmas yeah. makes it even more evidence that it was a Christmas movie because they're like they wanted it to be yeah. set at Christmas, whereas this the book is so okay. So the book is set at Christmas. The book is set at Christmas. I would say that's less of an element in the book really than it is in the movie. Um, the main character whose name is not John McClane. Oh, I was going to ask that. Yeah, what um, is his name? His name is Joe Leland. Okay. Yeah, similar-ish. Ish. It's still like a salt of the earth. It's a blue J color single kind of a... single syllable J first name with a two syllable. Yeah. Like blah blah last name. Yeah. Leland McLean. Oh, similar. 
But yeah, very salt of the yeah. earth. Um, anyway, he uh, surmises at one point during the book that the reason they decide on Christmas Eve is because there are fewer cops out and about. So. Yeah, that makes sense. So, on top of the being set at Christmas, is the basic premise the same? Are we in a, is it about a cop who's at like a Christmas, now I know it is a Christmas party, uh, and then terrorists show up and hold the building hostage? Is that basically yes. the Yes, yeah, premise? that's basically the premise. Okay, and I assumed that probably was because in the prequel we talked about how, I think you mentioned it was inspired by him watching um, Towering Inferno, which mm-hmm. is about a building on fire. So I assumed it was like the tower kind of thing mm-hmm. that, that was similar. Yep. Great. Uh, is he visiting his wife, and is their marriage on the rungs? No. The character of Holly is not in the book. Interesting. Um, there is an equivalent character um, who uh, is the employee. Gotcha. Who's working. Who is he going to visit? Yeah, the reason that he's at the party in the right. first place is because of his daughter, Stephanie. Mm, interesting. So, like, yeah. obviously an older daughter. Yes. Whereas an adult in the, daughter. In the movie, he has two kids, but they're both very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucy and... John Jr., I mm-hmm. think, um, which Lucy shows up in the fourth movie. Really? And I think John Jr. shows up in the fifth movie, which I haven't seen. I haven't. I don't know if the fifth one's any good. I like the fourth one a lot. The, movies. It's, the fourth one's kind of terrible, but also amazing. That's so um, many terrorists thwarted. Oh, you have no idea. The fourth one's bonkers. Uh, <laughs> it's got Justin Long, but it's um, it's wild. But yeah, mm-hmm. Lucy's in that one. But he doesn't have any older kids. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's the equivalent. So his wife. Is there anything about their marriage being on the rocks or anything like that? Um, In the, you know, even though make, she's not a Yeah, character. he makes reference to um, his ex-wife who is um, dead oh, in okay. the book. Um, she passed on like like several years earlier. But gotcha. they, yeah, they were not together. Gotcha. All right. Is there a schmoozy douche? Uh, because Ellis in the movie is the like quintessential douchey business guy doing cocaine and 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 being a jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is that character inspired by somebody in the book? Yes, um, there are two characters named Ellis and Rivers. Okay, um, Ellis in the movie seems like kind of sort of an amalgamation of those two book characters. Um, Rivers is the big boss. In the book. Oh. Um, that becomes Nakatomi in the uh, movie, right? Well, Nakatomi's a company. I think the guy's name the is... I thought the guy's name was actually... Wasn't it... Uh, what did I say earlier? It's ta- uh, Taka... No, okay. it is. Isn't it I Taka- thought it was also Takagi. his name. I'm pretty sure it's Takagi. And uh, Nakatomi's the name of the business. And Nakatomi Tower is the Well, I knew it was the name of the tower, but I thought it was also the boss. I'm double checking, but I am (laughs) like 80%. I'm probably wrong. (laughs) I've only seen this movie once. Joseph Yashinubo Takagi. Okay. Because I I knew it was Takagi because I can't unhear Alan Rickman going, Mr. Takagi. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, Yeah, but there is a a douchey character. Um, I think it's, well, they all do cocaine. Gotcha. In the in the book, Ellison Rivers and Stephanie. Gotcha. Um, and it's it's like heavily implied that the Ellis equivalent in the book is also sleeping with Stephanie. Ah, so Stephanie being his daughter. Yeah, his daughter. Earlier. Gotcha. Does uh, not well. I'm going to call him John McClane for the sake of yeah, no. ease for everybody who didn't read this book. <laughs> and John McClane, does he end up barefoot in the book? Because that's a big plot point in the movie. 
uh, uh, where he he doesn't have shoes on because he a guy on an airplane tells him to take them off because he doesn't like flying and he's like mm-hmm. if you walk around in your bare feet and you rub your feet on the carpet or whatever it'll make you feel better uh and so he does that but then with a terrorist attack he now ha- does not have shoes and and becomes a problem is that in the book um yes he does end up barefoot he is barefoot for similar reasons there is a slight difference which i will discuss later okay but it is somebody recommending him to take his shoes off or yes something? gotcha okay does the uh, Takagi, well, it's not Takagi, Rivers, in this case, in the book, does he get murdered, like, right at the beginning? I, I thought it was interesting in the movie because it's, like, a pretty good stakes raiser right mm-hmm. away that they murder, like, the head of the company, like, immediately. Yeah. Um, does that happen in the book? Uh, yes. Um, Leland, again, the McLean, the McLean yeah. equivalent, um, witnesses the lead terrorist kill Rivers. Gotcha. Uh, so in the book, in the movie, they kind of vaguely pretend to be terrorists for a little bit, kind of, but not mm-hmm. really, even pretty quickly. There's they say like a one-off line yeah, where you think that well, Yeah, and Takagi says, like, aren't you guys terrorists? And he yeah. goes, no, basically, and tells him, like, no, we're not. We're just here for the money. But they also kind of make it seem later, they, like, play the to the media and to the cops, they play like they are terrorists, mm-hmm. like, requesting these people to be let go of stuff. Ultimately, they're there to steal a bunch of money yeah. and run away and sit on the coasts and drink mimosas or whatever. In the book, are they terrorists or are they just bank like thieves? What what's going on? Um, they actually are radical communist terrorists. Oh, in the book, kind of similar to how they started out in the movie. Like, uh, Alan Rickman's character has a line about like perpetuating evil through greed or something yeah. like that. He does that have he, one line yeah, that, that sounds he, like, vaguely communist to, yeah. to all the hostages. So similar to that, but in the book they actually do like try to throw money down to people in the streets after they break into the safe and like redistribute the wealth. Yeah. I did think it was interesting though, uh, speaking on like the other whether or not they're terrorists. There's a line early in the movie uh when the, or not early, at one point when the media is talking about him, they they're 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 talking about Hans Gruber and they say that he was part of the he got kicked out of the Volksfrei movement mm-hmm. um in, in Germany. Uh and I looked up that's not a real thing, but it like that wasn't a real movement. Um it's it, it, it Volksfrei or in German means free folk. Uh, there is a was a movement called the Volkisch movement in Germany that uh, prior to World War II that was like a like racist nationalist populist party that kind of like was the precursor to the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting that they he does I think they were kind of setting him up to be like somewhat of a far right ball. So I feels a little conflicting. Maybe in this in the sense that it felt like elements of what his character was were supposed to be like vaguely like far right. Um, like populist again like sort of like uh um nationalistic type of mm-hmm. thing but then also he has like but he, we, the the communism thing's like a lie he doesn't actually care about the whole green right, thing so yeah. that makes sense yeah and that was interesting that and i never caught that before that he's actually probably like a right-wing terrorist not terrorist but was part of a right-wing terror group in germany mm-hmm. and then it was like i'm just gonna go make some money well, after they kicked him out because he was too extreme for their right-wing uh, nationalist group. All right, one of the iconic scenes, maybe the one of the mo- the first like big iconic scene in the movie, and we got a bunch coming up. But uh, after the terrorists take over, and McLean finally gets into a fight with one, kills him as they fall down the stairs, breaks his neck, and uh, takes his machine gun, and in this little moment of the kind of that tells us the kind of person that John McLean is. 
he puts a sweater on the guy and a Christmas a Santa hat and writes, now I have a machine gun, ho, 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 and sends him down in the elevator to the terrorists. Does that happen in the book? Sort of. Um, I'm changing my answer because okay. I thought you were just asking about the line. Well, I mean, I'm mainly asking about the line. Yeah, but the line is not in there. The, now I have a machine gun. I mean, it's not gun. a line. It's written, ho, but ho, yeah, ho. yeah. That's not from the book. Um, the protagonist does at one point um, the first terrorist he kills, so that's the same. Um, and then he sends him down the elevator oh, okay. with like a message attached to him, but it's oh, not. But it's not. It's not. Now gotcha. I have a machine gun. Okay. Ho ho ho. Gotcha. <laughs> Which again ties in a little more of the Christmassy. Yeah, getting a, a little more uh, in the holiday spirit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is the main bad guy's name Hans Gruber because it's the world's best bad guy name? Um, his last name is Gruber. His first name, we'll get there. Okay, put a pin in that one. Does he spark, does John McClane, or the equivalent, spark up a relationship with a plucky on-duty cop? Uh, basically, is there a Reginald Bell Johnson equivalent? Um, yes, there is a cop character named Powell that he okay. um, forms a relationship with throughout the evening. Gotcha. Uh, but in the book, he's uh, a younger guy. Yeah. And he doesn't have a tragic backstory. Yes. With capital letters. Tragic. Tragic. Yes. Gotcha. All right, which we'll talk about more later. Yeah. Uh, at any point, does John McClane end up in an air vent? This is a very important question. Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> Crawls through air vents. Fantastic. How about, uh, well, speaking of being in the air vent, another iconic line. Uh, John McClane says, come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. That line no. in the book. Oh, <laughs> all right. So, so far, all the best lines are strictly from the minds of the screenwriters. Does. So in the, one of the premises in the, in the movie is that it, he keeps trying to get people to come help and it's, he can't because like he tries to, the phones are down. Um, he gets on the walkie. And tries to, he gets a walkie-talkie from one of the cops eventually and calls for help on that. But they, like, people are like, no. Uh, he, he sets off a fire alarm, but then they, they mm -hmm. cancel the fire alarm. Uh, the terrorists do. Um, but so finally, and then once the cop finally does show up, doesn't see anything, goes to leave. And so John McClane throws a body out of the window at him to be like, <laughs> to make it obvious that something is wrong here. And that's finally what starts the, all of it, sets off the, you know, the, the police showing up and everything. Does that happen in the book? Um, yes, but um, I want to talk more about that in another segment. Okay. Uh, following up in that scene in the movie, another great iconic line. Welcome to the party, pal. No. <sighs> and then the most iconic line, probably. It's not even, I mean, it didn't even originate in this. Well, I guess it does. Yeah, the second part does. But So, in the movie, uh, the back and forth banter between John McClane and Hans Gruber uh, they he's kind of call him a cowboy or whatever, and John McClane kind of leans into it and calls himself Roy after Roy Rogers, and then he utters the guy's like John. I can't remember what Hans Gruber says to him. He goes, "Good luck stopping us" or something, and uh, John McClane says, "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker!" And again, maybe the most iconic line in the movie is that in the book. Alas. No. All right. The the movie, the screenwriters, they really, <laughs> they got, if they got, they, they earned every one of their dollars punching this one up. The reporter subplot. There's some really interesting commentary on responsible reporting in this movie mm -hmm. that feels very, not ahead of its time, but a little like 
slightly ahead of its time, yeah. maybe. Um, where the the reporters are constantly there's a there's a one specific news reporter who's like on, first on the scene because he hears the police yeah. scanner or whatever. Um, but then he gets very intrusive and it starts like broadcasting yeah. all these personal he's, details about yeah, the people inside the building. Very focused on getting the scoop. Yeah, and this ends up causing problems, which we've seen. We've this is a very common um, the issue like in modern day media mm-hmm. where people are are using you know like like if there's like a school shooting or something they'll like try to get on the phone with students in the building and then like yeah. this could end up call you know that could end. So there's been a lot of discussing about that in like recent years, and it felt like I said maybe I'm sure it's not ahead of its time, but I'm sure similar issues were right. being discussed. Yeah, um, maybe not ahead of its time, but certainly something that still feels relevant. Still feels very relevant. Perhaps even more relevant. Yeah, uh, was that an element in the book? Um, not really. Uh, I mean, obviously there are a bunch of reporters and news crews there eventually. Um, and the story clearly paints them as at least annoying. Right. Um, but they don't, like, go get his kids or put are, out any, like... They're not the reason that he yeah. ends up finding out, the, like, his daughter is... One, yeah, you know, no, or anything I, like that? I, I don't think so. Okay, because in the movie, that's the big thing, is that eventually Hans Gruber is able to surmise that Holly Gennaro is actually John McClane's wife because yeah. he sees them on the news yeah. talking about... Yeah, he sees he, he sees the kids on the news. Yeah, and then he's like, "Wait a minute!" He puts and he it looks, all together. He looks back at their family photo in Finds her it, office. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay, uh, is there a completely incompetent police chief? Um, yes. Uh, much like Powell, that character has a direct equivalent. Yeah, and it's the 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 principal from uh, the Breakfast Club. Yeah, who plays the police chief. Uh, he shows up as kind of incompetent, but then even more incompetent people show up, and that's the FBI uh, agent Johnson and Johnson. Are they? No. In the movie or no. in the book? No. In the credits, they're like Big Johnson and Little Johnson or something like that. <laughs> I think. Yeah. So no FBI agents. Does John McClane and Hans Gruber ever come face to face? And but and, and not just become face to face, but like in the movie, there's the whole premise where or there's this whole scene where. Uh, John McClane is bumps into Hans Gruber. They've been talking on the radio, mm-hmm. but they haven't seen each other yet. Yeah. And now Hans Gruber knows what John McClane looks like at this point, but McClane has no idea what Hans Gruber looks like. And they bump into each other, and uh, Gruber pretends to be a, a hostage. Yeah. And basically, it like puts on an American accent, and pretends to be a hostage, and eventually McClane figures him out. But it's an interesting, tense scene for the audience because you're like, "Holy shit!" Uh, is anything? Does that happen in the book? No, that scene doesn't happen. Um, they, I mean, they do come face to face, like at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene is not from the book. Spoilers. I kind of knew that that wasn't because I read a thing in the trivia. I just didn't put it in because I, I think I didn't want it for spoilers reason. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I read a trivia thing that that got added kind of late because the director or somebody heard Rickman doing an American accent and thought it was good enough <laughs> to have. He was like, oh, we can do the scene where you guys like run into each yeah. other and you pretend to be American or whatever. I don't think it's that great of an American accent. It feels like a very fake American accent. Like, to me, in that scene, it's like, it sounds like a... I mean, okay, hang on, though. Because he's already doing a yeah, German accent. He's doing a German accent. And, and I ge- actually, that scene actually, his accent work impressed me because I felt like I could hear him that's doing what, the German behind the American. That's what I mean. That's what I guess that's what I mean is that... Hmm, I, I feel like it's bad on purpose. Th- Okay, maybe that's the point because yes, 
So maybe that's what you meant by maybe that's what the director meant by impressed. But because I agree yeah. that it sounds like a German guy doing an yes. American accent, which is impressive. But I, I read that trivia fact as the director being impressed by his American accent mm-hmm. because Alan Rickman's British. So like, but that's not what he meant. I guess he meant. Yeah, and that makes yeah. sense, and and because it does sound like that, a hundred percent sounds yeah, like, no, like a, his accent. A European guy really impressed me in that scene. Like, I mean, his German accent impressed seems me fine, anyway because yeah. it, it, like it seems legit to yeah. me. But then, like in that scene, like he's yes. doing the American, and I could like hear yes. him almost slipping yeah. back into the German. Yeah. yeah. No, I for sure. I felt the exact same chef's way. Kiss. It's very good. It's very good. And Alan Rickman <laughs> is fantastic in this movie, as I mentioned in the prequel episode. It's it's one of his best roles. Um, and you get elements. You get little moments of where you can see the <laughs> the Snape yeah. like type of, especially in that first scene when he comes in and he's like reading the manifesto. Yeah. I just wrote. It's like a flash forward to him <laughs> in the first movie and like the front of the class reading like or like going through reading basically yeah, the like syllabus or whatever. He like barely moves his yes. mouth while he's yeah. talking. Yeah, very similar. At one point in the movie, uh, because they realize, the terrorists realize John McClane doesn't have shoes uh, and they're, they have him trapped in a room and they start shooting out all the glass so that he has to run through the glass to get out. Uh, does that happen in the book? Um, no, but there is something kind of similar that happens that I want to talk about later. Gotcha. Uh, and one, in the movie, their plan, uh, so they're, uh, it's different because the book plan and movie plan are slightly different because they're like more of terrorists in the in the book, it sounds like they're not mm-hmm. trying to steal the money and like get away with it mm-hmm. necessarily. Um, in the movie, part of their plan is that the FBI is going to show up and cut the power to the building, which is going to get them into the safe. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Is that is that an element from the book or is that? Um, no. Okay. Um, and the safe in the book isn't nearly as fancy. Oh. as the one in the movie. They're really just trying to blow it up. Which so makes sense because this, this is also 68. As opposed to 88 or whatever. Or, right? Wasn't this like the 60s that we said that it was written? Oh, 1979. 70, oh, okay. Yeah. So still. But still, even 10 years. Yeah, it's still like a decade removed yeah. from the movie. Okay. Does the roof explode? And does John McClane tie a fire hose to himself and jump off of the roof to survive and then crash through a window? Um, Fire hose jump, yes. Wow. Roof explosion, no. Well, then why does he jump off the roof with a fire hose? Um, because, it, like, okay, the end of this book, like, how he gets off of the roof is really, it was kind of, like, weirdly complicated. Okay. And, like, I really hated reading it. Okay. Because it was hard to read. Okay. Um, But, like, he's on the roof and... The the terrorists are going to come up onto the roof to get him at dawn. And I couldn't figure out why they were waiting till dawn, but whatever. We'll ignore that part. Um, and, and then at the same time, the police are also wanting to, like, land helicopters. Okay. So they want him... To, like, provide cover for them while they're landing these helicopters, all right? <laughs> and um, so the John McClane, who's not John McClane, right. Joe Leland, um, 
is like, well, I'm not gonna sacrifice myself for you guys because you're idiots and you won't listen to me when I'm telling you, like, what these people are doing and what their plans are. Gotcha. So he devises this plan to escape from the roof by way of fire hose. Interesting. It okay. really wasn't, but... But he does jump off the roof. But he does fire hose. jump off the roof by tying a fire hose to himself. Fantastic. Does and this is so the big finale scene, and this one I was really interested to see uh, if this was a book thing or just a movie thing. In the big final confrontation, he he's like out of bullets. He he looks goes through. He has a machine gun and he has a pistol and he has and he goes through and he has two bullets left. Uh, and there's he he knows there's two terrorists left. It's Hans Gruber and uh, the one one of the other guys and at this point Hans Gruber has his wife mm-hmm. and so he he takes he uh, he takes the bullets and we don't know what he does the movie doesn't tell us what he does until it happens um, it's kind of like a reveal but he's 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 like figured trying to figure out what to do and he sees some packing tape some Christmas packing tape sitting on a counter and ultimately what he does is he puts the two bullets in his pistol uh, and tapes it to his back, which is now shirtless at this point, mm-hmm. and like completely bloody and a mess, tapes it to his back, and then walks in with the machine gun, and then they make him drop his gun, he puts it down, puts his hands on his head, and then pulls the gun off his back and shoots the two terrorists. And it's, oh, what a twist, what a big reveal, it saves, it's fantastic, it's great. Does that happen in the book? Yes, he does tape a gun I don't know how many bullets he had. Right. But he does tape a gun to himself, I assume to his back. Okay. This is one of the things that like drove me nuts about the book. Is that like they like I feel like this book expected me to already have previous information about how a cop would operate in this situation. It's possible. And like I feel like it tried to do this reveal. And I went back and, like, looked and tried to figure out if there were more lines about how, how what he did with the gun and, like, where exactly he taped it. Yeah. But as far as I could tell, there's just one line where he thinks to himself that the tape won't bother him. Huh. And, like, I'm like, okay, but how are we supposed to get he taped the gun to himself from the tape won't bother me? Interesting. How? Are, I- how? 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 I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the idea is that it is supposed to be a bit of a reveal or something. You're supposed to be like, what does he mean by that? And then you find out. Because like, like I said, yeah. in the movie, you don't you don't know that he did that until right. like, he, the whole scene plays out. And then the moment where he pulls his gun, the gun, well, there's a, at one point, the camera reverses behind him and you see it taped there. And you're like, holy cow. And, you know, it's that like yeah. reveal of like, whoa, because you're trying to figure out like what his plan is when he walks in there with the gun and then puts it down. And you're like, what, right. what is he doing? Yeah, I think the author was trying to do a reveal. I just don't think it works okay. in the book as like yeah. it works in the movie. I mean, it works brilliantly in the movie, but again, visual medium, it's yeah. kind of superior for a thing like that. Okay, but he does tape the gun to himself. Yeah. And uses it to trick the terrorists and yes. kill them. Okay, great. And did they have his wife or his daughter at that point or anything? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. And I think it's just Gruber at that point in the right. book. Yeah. Uh, and then he kills Gruber. Uh, does Hans Gruber fall out of a window? Because he shoots him, but he does not quite dead. And he stumbles to a window. And then fall, he's falling, Gruber's falling out the window. And he grabs uh, McLean's wife in this instance. But prob- if it happens, it would be mm-hmm. the daughter. Does any of that happen? He does fall out of the window. 
Um, it is after he gets super shot up, though. Okay. So he's not, he's not alive, like alive or anything. anymore he just falls when he falls. Out falls. Um, Does anybody on the ground say, I hope that's not a hostage as he's falling? That line is not in the book. No. Darn it. Great line. <laughs> Great silly line. All right. That was it. That was all the questions I had for was that in the book. I do not have lost an adaptation because Die Hard is not a confusing movie. I mean, there were, like, little details I guess I could have asked, like, yeah. but I don't know how much more you would have got from the book about, like, certain things the terrorists do. The, like, but yeah. you seemed confused. I the, the movie, very easy to follow. The book, not so much. Yeah. But I'll talk about it. All I, right. I'm, we're going to get there. So no Lost in Adaptation, but we're going to get to Katie's segments and talk about what was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, well, right off the bat, um, the movie does not start with the protagonist in St. Louis, so that's definitely True. better in the book. Um, it starts It starts with him, uh, he's in the cab, and he's driving to um, Lambert, Airport Lambert Airport in yeah. St. Louis. And I got really excited at first. I was like, is this book actually set in St. Louis? Yeah. But it's not. No. He's just flying out of St. Louis, which is pretty typical. Yeah. Um. There could be a couple buildings downtown that were yeah, that maybe. would be tall enough, but like, but not a lot. It's so rare for us to get a shout out in a piece of media. Yeah, it's pretty rare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not Chicago. No. Um. All right. So the reason that he takes off his shoes. Um. So the guy on the plane in the movie advises him to make fists with his toes. Yeah. Which I felt like was a weird way to say stretch your feet. It is weird. I knew what he meant, and I get yeah. it. Like the idea of like <laughs> it basically like like if you're like in the grass, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of like flexing your toes, or, or yeah. in this case with the carpet. Like I get yeah. it. It's a little strange. Um, so in the book, uh, a stranger on the plane advises him um, that the only thing that makes him feel refreshed after a long fi- after a long flight is to wash his feet. Weird. Which I feel Just like take a shower, weirdo. <laughs> Why? Just like, but it's just like wash your feet off if I, you don't like if you don't have time to take a shower or whatever. I, I never are my feet the thing that feels dirty to me. Okay, not that they feel, but like I get it though that like you would feel like somewhat refreshed after like washing that part of your body off. I, I guess. feel like that makes more sense than make fists with your toes. I guess. I don't. And also, I feel like it works because in the book, the reason that he doesn't put his shoes back on right away is because he doesn't want to put, like, his feet are still wet, and he doesn't want to put his socks back onto his wet feet. Well, I mean, in the movie, it's just literally <laughs> while he has them off, the terrorists show up, and he doesn't have time to, I know, to, like, but I thought yeah, it was funny. It is weird. It's just kind of silly. He's like, oh, my socks are wet. No, wet socks are the worst. Wet socks are the worst. True. I felt like pulling the fire alarm seemed maybe like a dumb idea. That doesn't happen in the book. Seems like a smart idea. I felt like, wouldn't he know that they'd know that he pulled the fire alarm? Probably. I mean, he he could guess that they may know because he saw like the the kind of advanced technology that the building has. But then like they would know what floor he was on. Yeah. Well, what he should have what he should have done in the movie is he should have pulled the fire alarm and then he should have bailed from that floor. Yeah. But I still think it's not a bad idea to pull a fire alarm just to get somebody there. Like you know, I don't think it's a terrible idea. But he should have. I will say that it would have made sense for him to pull a fire alarm and then get the heck off that floor. Yeah. Because clearly they're going to know what floor he's on. Yeah, you would think. But again, based on it. 
So in the movie, it seemed like John McClane was just like a regular old cop. So yeah. Um, in the book, he's uh, a little bit more than a cop, um, which I felt like made sense for like what he was able to to do okay. throughout the course of the story. I'm not sure exactly what <laughs> his title is. <laughs> right. Um, the Wikipedia article says he's a detective. Okay. Throughout the book. We get a couple things here and there. He calls himself a consultant. Gotcha. Um, and we know a few things about him. We know that he's um, he's consulted for like safety measures for different um, buildings and like events and even like people. Um, we know that he was um, in the I think the Marines. Oh, okay. In, or something in. Um, or he was a pilot, so maybe he was in the Air Force. I don't know. Uh, there are Marine World pilots, War, there are Navy um, pilots, there's all kinds of pilots. Yeah, but he was a pilot, um, and we also know he reminisces at one point <laughs> about um, going to this, I don't know, he makes it sound like some kind of conference, but like some kind of like high level like high level army like armed gotcha. forces briefing like specifically about um the state of terrorism in oh, the okay. world so he's like very informed ba- okay so basically yeah he's more informed yeah just about that stuff so it, may- it makes it a little more believable maybe that he's that he he seems like he just has more training and stuff yeah than maybe- he, like, he has more training that like i feel like further explains yeah what he's able to pull off throughout right. the course of the story I, I think you could go both ways with the argument in terms of whether or not that's better in the movie or the book in the sense that i think that because the movie's very much going for it's the reason he doesn't have shoes it's the re- he's very he's sort of your every man against the world right uh everybody can kind of look at him and be like yeah you know he's not like he's not like he's it's not Sylvester Stallone it's right. not Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. playing the role Bruce Willis is a, a fit guy but he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger right. and and so yeah I, I think for what the movie's going for that it makes more sense to not have this mm-hmm. like I was in special forces and you know like yeah. that kind of not that he was but so but yeah but maybe I, he was he doesn't really say right he doesn't say so <laughs> he knows? could be you never certainly know certainly not me right um okay so th- <laughs> this is like a dark thing <laughs> that was in the book that like but i was really kind of hoping it was going to be in the movie so in the book like every terrorist that he kills which is a lot of terrorists right. um he like he searches them, obviously, uh-huh. to see what kind of supplies they have. And for some reason, they're all carrying, like, candy bars. And he just keeps taking them and eating them nice. throughout the night. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I will say there's a nod to that in the movie that you maybe missed if you were typing or something. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a nod to that. Uh, he doesn't find a candy bar in anybody, but there's a scene when they go, when the cops are coming to break into the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, when, after the cops show up and the guy and the the chief is like sending in a squad and they're gonna like cut trying to cut through the front door or whatever yeah and the terrorists come down to like defend it one of the guys uh, the guy with the like strange facial hair and stuff he goes and he runs and he's like hiding behind a a, a, a counter and it's like the magazine stand in the lobby mm-hmm. and he gets his and he sets all his magazines all of his uh, magazines for his gun on the counter <laughs> not not holding magazines <laughs> reading magazines so it's all his gun stuff on the counter and then he's sitting there waiting and then he looks down 
and then he reaches in and pulls a candy bar out of. Oh yeah, I didn't notice. Yeah, that. I think you might have been taking notes yeah. or whatever. But he pulls a candy bar out of like the because it's again it's like the little mm-hmm. magazine stand that has like snacks and stuff, and he grabs like a crunch bar and starts eating it. <laughs> so like I feel like that may be a little nod to that. Yeah. So. Uh, there are a bunch of girl terrorists. Oh in really? The book. Yeah, like what? like two or three maybe. Um, and I, it's mainly so that the protagonist can feel conflicted about killing women folk. <laughs> but, like, come on, movie. <laughs> yeah. Equal opportunity. <laughs> terrorism. <laughs> yeah, no women. It's weird. Probably so that we don't have to feel content yeah. with, so that the audience from 1988 yeah, so doesn't have to Yeah, so we don't have to, have to feel guilty about, about killing, him killing, killing women, women folk. folk. Yeah, we just get to watch him kill big, burly Germans and be fine with it. <laughs> Um, okay, so the part with the broken glass that I mentioned something similar happens. Um, they don't shoot out glass to force him to run over it, but they do, uh, they kill the power similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's dark everywhere, and they leave broken glass all over the stairs, and he just like walks right into it mm. in the book, and it's a brutal scene. I, the scene in the movie afterwards where he's pulling it out of his foot is... Yeah. Yeah. Don't like that one, but... The dumb police chief. Mr. Dummy Police Chief. Man. Yeah. I don't know his name in the movie. Yeah. It's the same as in the book, but I don't remember it because it wasn't important. Yeah. Uh, he actually gets shot by the leftover terrorist. There's a leftover terrorist. Like I was going to ask second. if that yeah. happened. Uh, yeah, because I thought that was a. Terrorist. I thought that was a dumb... Uh, and I have a note about it later, but I thought that's a super dumb movie ad. The mm-hmm. like, because it's a very movie thing. Like, oh, yeah, like one last guy, one guy and, and and it's even dumber in the movie because it's the guy that got hung by the chain. Yeah. Like he's a hundred percent. He's dead. dead. He's super dead. And then he's just alive. And it, and it's all so that Reginald Vell Johnson can shoot him, which I, yeah. I thought was also again. Yeah. I have a note that's, about it. Well, that's yeah. I have that here that. The movie has Powell shoot the leftover terrorist, which I feel like is meant to be like a nice character moment. We'll talk about it for now. Him. That's my note, yeah. Yeah, where he like overcomes his fear, but also his fear was shooting someone, so he probably should be afraid of that. Like he probably should feel some apprehension yeah. about shooting a person. Yeah, that was my note. Is that so? I, I think it's a dumb ad. Just and I thought it was a dumb movie ad, but apparently it's in the book, or at least I guess maybe Al doesn't shoot him or whatever. Or the no, I think somebody else gets okay. him. So in in the movie, Al R- Reginald Bell Johnson's character shoots him. But we found out earlier that Reginald Bell Johnson's character, the reason he's like a desk cop now, yeah. is because he his killed tra- a kid. Yeah, his tragic backstory. His tragic capital T backstory is that he mur- uh, murdered a kid who had a gun. Yeah. Uh, or who uh, had a toy gun. Um, and he feels real bad about it. And it's one of those things where he, it's, I don't even begin to address this. It's a whole different thing in 1988 than it was yeah. now, maybe. But I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it was still an issue in 1988. But right. Well, you know, yeah, not, it was, we weren't talking about we it like we are in, in 2019. Um, no, for sure. And, and it's also complicated by the fact that the movie, everything we know about Al, uh, re, uh, the, the cop mm-hmm. character in the movie is that he seems like a really great guy. Yeah. And like he truly feels terrible about it. And it truly was just a horrible accident type of thing, which can happen. You know, you never know. I, 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 who knows? But the the um again it's it, it's complicated by viewing that from a 2019 lens but then yeah. i agree though that so in the movie he he's the one who shoots 
the terrorist that comes out mm-hmm. and it's and it's played for this big like woohoo like yay, yay moment and I, and, and I, like you said it's like the cop shouldn't that shouldn't be he should be ho- like horrified of shooting people and it shouldn't I, after you accidentally murder a kid you're done like you don't yeah. get to shoot people and be happy about it anymore like I, that's <laughs> i feel like i don't know it's just yeah after you accidentally murder a kid, like you shouldn't be able to shoot people anymore. Like emotionally, you should. Yeah. Like it makes sense that you should. Right. Like, that reaction is a good. thing. That's a good thing. It's good. It's good. You should. And he shouldn't be the one who shoot. He should. Nope. You should still. Yeah. It's. I agree. I thought that was also like. Oof. Um. Not. Not a great little addition there at the end. But. Yeah. Okay. That was it for better in the book. Let's talk about what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one. Lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Um, alright, so I have a few things here. Um, I thought that making Stephanie his daughter into Holly his wife, then I have ex-wife question mark in parentheses, because yeah. I wasn't sure at the beginning. They're not divorced, technically, yeah. but they're, yeah. Um, but I thought that change was a good one. Um, I think there's more like emotional entanglement there. Yeah. Like with the stakes of his marriage problems and like the question marks around whether or not he can repair that relationship. Yeah. Um, and then there are stakes with him having little kids too. Um, he does have two grandkids in the book, but like he doesn't seem to care about them all that much. <laughs> They're actually at the party. Oh. But I, like, didn't realize that until the very end because, like, he never, like, thinks about it. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, being held hostage and he's just like, okay, I'm going to go kill some terrorists. Yeah. Um, I liked the the running joke of Argyle just, like, sitting in the garage chilling and and drinking the little liquor bottles and playing yeah, music yeah um and i was i was hoping at the first scene where they showed him doing that i was hoping he was going to do that the whole time and i was well pleased yeah but he does get and then he gets a hero moment later yes he does which day. was also good yeah uh now i have a machine gun ho 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 mm-hmm. that makes it onto my list um hans gruber mm-hmm. hans gruber's name in the book is anton oh yeah. yeah, which I looked it up, and it is like a Germanic yeah. name, but it totally sounds Italian to me. Yeah, it's just not as. Yeah, it's not like Hans um, Gruber rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Sounds way more German. Much more stereotypically German to our yeah. American ears. It's a better name. Yeah, uh, 100% agree. Uh, shooting the guy from under the table. Yeah. I liked that scene. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the cop's attention by throwing a corpse out the window directly onto <laughs> the car, which is so extra. I love it. Yeah. Um, he does throw a corpse down in the book, um, but there's no cop there. So Uh-oh. he's just like hoping. hoping. <laughs> somebody he's hoping like, like just see a body. A body. He's like, hope that gets somebody's <laughs> attention. <laughs> There's a body in the street. Okay. So it does happen in the book. It's just... Uh, yeah. It's yeah, just not as... It's, it's not as intense. metal. Yeah. 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 Way cooler. Um, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, is a good catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, he says, Geronimo, motherfucker, which oh. he does also say in the movie, I realized later on. Oh, does he? Yeah. He I'm says sure. it... He, in the book, he says it when he's tossing the guy out the window. Yeah. Um, and in the movie he said he like throws somebody down the elevator shaft 
Oh, says, oh, it's when he says, throws. It's it's. Uh, I think it's when he uh, uh, throws the bomb down the. Oh yeah, it like is. he yeah, ties yeah, all the yeah. C four to the chair yeah. and throws that down the elevator shaft. I think he says yeah. it then. Yeah, but like also Geronimo is already somebody's catchphrase. Yeah. So yeah, you well, know you can't have that Kaye one. is too. It's Roy Rogers. I'm pretty sure is that's it? why he says it. I feel it. like I tried to look that up and it, I couldn't. I'm pretty sure that okay. I mean the motherfucker part is what he adds, but I'm pretty sure Yippie Kaye was like a Roy Rogers. I, I mean Yippie Kaye is like a cowboy thing, right? Uh, I'm just saying I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Roy Rogers said or something. I because I, I think that's why he says it. But I, I very well could be wrong about this. I do not know. So I'll have to look it up or something. But my point being, Geronimo is definitely a specific person's catchphrase already. Right. Namely, Geronimo. Namely, Geronimo. Yes. Also, you can't have Geronimo as your catchphrase for several reasons, but... Also, your balls just aren't big enough to have Geronimo as your catchphrase because you have to have pretty big balls, I think, to yell your own name while you're like war suicide leaping. Yes. If I'm remembering that story correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. So it sounds like the Yippie Kaye is is a it, it's a play on Yippie Yippie Io Kaye from the Bing Crosby song I'm an old cow hand. Okay. Potentially, so it's not directly already someone's catchphrase. No, it doesn't okay. seem See, like it, but it is inspired. Perfect. Okay, John McClane can have it. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> Holly is stepping up to bat for yeah. the well-being of her employees. Stephanie does not do that in the book. She's also high on cocaine in the book. She does cocaine <laughs> right before the party, which would have to make. Being taken hostage by oh. terrorists, way more terrifying. Yeah, which they kind of give us a, a little <laughs> taste of with Ellis when yeah. they show up and he's like freaking out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like that she kind of takes the reins yeah. and goes toe to toe with Hans Gruber a, yeah. l- a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. She does. She does. It does. It is interesting that it's cool that they give her. She's not intimidated by him. Yeah. And seemingly. Yeah. Or at least she doesn't act like it. Yeah. Which would also take big balls. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really appreciated, and this is a movie thing, um, but I really appreciated not being inside our protagonist's head for the entirety of this story. Mm-hmm. Just like there are so many tangents. Oh, he yeah. goes on so many tangents in this book and they're not interesting. And there's like so much casual racism and sexism, which I know is like, an author thing and a time period thing right. and whatever and but a genre thing yeah. like whatever blah 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 but like it wears on you oh yeah i can imagine <laughs> i can imagine like i i talked to you about this a little bit when i first started it but like within the first five pages of this book the the main character interacts with three black people and every time Every time he notifies us that he is talking to a black person. You got to know. And I was like, great, fantastic. You what have know. I signed up for? You got to know, Katie. It's I, apparently I do. Oh, and then they also did like the James Bond thing where like every woman he meets flirts with him, which yeah. I found really annoying. That only really happens with one character in the movie. And it's not, and it's just a little passing thing where like the, 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 the air, um, 
the stewardess. Yeah. Like, that's a nod. Him... That's a nod to the book. Yeah. He like makes out with the stewardess on the plane. She like gives him some eyes as he walks yeah. off the plane. And then the she movie. ends up coming back later, which uh, is that actually my next note? <laughs> I have no, no idea. No, it's a little bit. Well, I'll just talk about it now and go back. Um, so in the book, he meets this, this the flight attendant stewardess. Her name is Kathy Logan. She spells Kathy with an I at the end, Ooh. which he likes that she spells it cute because it means that she doesn't take herself too ah, seriously. Like a woman should. Yes. <laughs> Spell her name very cute. Um, and they make out on the plane and uh, she gives him her phone number. Um, and then she ends up coming back at the end. Like um, he he tells them to find her to like verify his identity or something like that. Huh. I don't know. Um, and she ends up like, I guess she's kind of the equivalent of um, his kids being on the news in the yeah. in the movie because she ends up like being on the news. But gotcha. she's a grown ass woman. So she kind of like more goes toe to toe with the reporter a little bit. Right. A little bit. And they like they like talk over the radio walkie talkies. And it's just really kind of weird because like. They met a few hours ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, if I just like met a dude and made out with him, and then I got a call like, "Hey, he's like being held hostage by terrorists, and I'd he wants like, to oh. talk to you," I'd be like, uh, "Nope." <laughs> feel like that's not a good idea. Feel like this is not a legit thing. Goodbye. Yeah. Um, but apparently she's already head over heels in love with him. So well, of course, you know, yep. like you do. Yep. Um, so, uh, we already talked some about the scene where, um, Hans Gruber tries to trick John McClane, yeah. um, with his brilliant accent work, yeah. um, which wouldn't work in the book because Leland actually recognizes Gruber like immediately oh, because and, of like, his, yeah, because of his background, his background, he knows he's a terrorist and he gotcha. knows he's like super dangerous. So, but I thought that was an interesting scene in the film. Yeah. Um, and it is a very good, like, tension builder. Yeah, for sure. Um, and my last note, Holly gets to live. Yeah. Stephanie dies oh. in the book. She gets dragged off of the building oh. when he shoots Gruber. So it is a similar scene. where it's like, a, he... Yeah, it's similar, except uh, the movie doesn't fridge the female protagonist. Nope. So nope, good lives, on you, movie. But then disappears for the rest of the movies. <laughs> Not you like know. doesn't die. She just doesn't She's show up. She's not in them. <laughs> nope. From my memory, she there. There's like nice. a line, throwaway line in the second one about they just end up divorced, and then like <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just actually get divorced in the oh, second one. Boy. And then they're just like, eh, all right. But I could be wrong about that. All right, that was it. Let's talk about what the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Cocaine in the office. Yeah, we get our we get our cocaine, our sweet eighties cocaine. And boy, was this movie set in the eighties. Yeah, oh, the, the, the hair and the sweet hair. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, our protagonist running around barefoot, mm -hmm. which we talked about. Um, using the gun strap to go down into the air vents. Oh yeah, that scene was pretty similar. Although I could, I could have arguably put this one into better in the movie because it's way easier to follow in the, in the movie. movie. Yeah, like it just action scenes in books. Yeah, 
can be very difficult. They can be. They have to be written well. Yeah. In order to be. Uh, yeah. To work. But that scene was pretty similar. Uh, he, the protagonist blows up like a whole floor to try to stop the terrorists from just mowing down the SWAT team. Gotcha. Uh, rappelling down the side of the building with the fire hose. Um, I would argue that this is a superior scene in the movie, but it is pretty similar. Gotcha. Um, John McClane was definitely cooler in this scene than Leland is in the book. Yeah. The way he like smashes through the window. Yeah. Cool guy. Um, and then Han's getting caught on Holly's watch. That's the reason that um, his daughter gets dragged down with him is that he's like his hand is still caught in it. Is the watch from her fancy job? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. That's an interesting thing in the, in the yeah. movie. Um, so uh, with the exception, obviously, that she lives in the movie. Yeah. As, as per our discussion. Yes. And that is what the movie nailed. All right. And that was that. So let's talk about a few odds and ends. And then we're going to decide whether or not this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and then we're going to get to the final verdict. I really do. I, I hadn't watched this movie in a while, and I really do love the slow setup. It's, I forgot it was like a two-hour and fifteen-minute movie. It feels like a, it. It kind of feels like a shorter movie than that because mm-hmm. so much once things get going, so much happens so quickly. Um, but there's this really slow burn setup, and I love how it's the awkward corporate Christmas party, the relationship stuff. It's all super simple, but it's like really effective writing. That tells us one tells us a lot about the characters, but it's also like a situation that we all everybody is familiar with Mm -hmm. in the sense that it really and it really because of that, it kind of really allows you to put yourself into like John McClane's shoes in the movie of like imagining what you would do if you're at like your corporate or company business party and then like terrorists showed up. You know, it, it, it makes it very easy for that because we spend so much time sort of with the mundanity of the story at the beginning. I think it really allows that self insert for the audience, mm-hmm. uh, you know, apart from him being like a, a super cop or whatever. Still, that was really interesting. Uh, they changed the the company to a Japanese company. Yeah. It's like a, uh, the boss in the book is like a Texas guy. Like an oil baron. Yeah, or like an oral oil baron type of a thing, which is an interesting switch. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's not a. I'm not sure because it, it doesn't really. The movie doesn't have a lot to say about the company. Yeah, we don't know even what they do. Right, which is like why, like, I made a note about it here, but because then the book, the company is pretty clearly painted as like not good. Yeah, like they're they're doing really bad shit. Right. Um, and I was like, I have a note about it, like. Man, if this company is the same, then that's a really questionable choice. Yeah, to make it like people of color, <laughs> right? I, but it doesn't seem like it to me because well, one that they're the we don't find anything out about the company. Takagi seems like a stand-up guy. From, yeah. he's in the movie for ten minutes, but so like I and 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 seeming like there really is no implication that this company's up to anything nefarious, other than. <laughs> being a company <laughs> but yeah. uh which is arguably nefarious in its own right, right. but uh and it, you know they do have some ridiculous amount of wealth for some re- you know like sitting in their in their um vault for for whatever so there there are some sort of super mega corporation but the, the movie doesn't really comment at all on yeah how they got how yeah. they earn their and money I mean, or the, yeah it's... the only 
potential like misdeeds by the company that we maybe they did or we find out through Hans Gruber which that's not a reliable source of information like he accuses them of um uh he says like uh your business practices in Indonesia oh yeah he does say that. that which in in the book it's um it's chilly, I think. Yeah. And they're like, in exchange for like getting to build their the bridge in Chile, they're um, supplying all of these weapons to like the super fascist government right. there. Yeah, and we don't get any. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really brief, and it's never touched on again. And again, like you said, since it's Han Gruber saying right, it, we, don't, we don't we don't know that that's accurate. We don't know that that's accurate because he lies about a lot of stuff in the over the course yeah. of the movie. I was just wondering if Reginald Vell Johnson got the role as the cop in Family Matters because of his role as the cop in this movie. I don't know. I because always wondered this... if they were the same person. I never watched <laughs> Family Matters, but I, I knew he have, played. I think they have different names. Uh, yeah. I, his name's not Al in Family Matters, is it? I think it's Carl. Okay. Yeah, I I don't know, but they right around yeah. the same time playing the exact same. Yeah, this uh, the movie predates the the TV show by like a year maybe. Yeah. But I thought I just thought that was interesting. I was like, hey, there's that guy that's always playing a cop. <laughs> yep, he's got a good like <laughs> friendly like. Yeah, he's like your friendly neighborhood your friendly police neighborhood officer. police officer. He's like one of the good ones or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting. All right, that was it for our odds and ends. Before we get to our final verdict, we're going to have to do a separate final verdict, and that final verdict is whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Let's revisit our themes. Yes. And see how they may or may not apply to Die Hard. Yeah. Um, So our first theme was messages of peace and goodwill. I would argue that this is not present in the movie. No. Um, Like, this movie is not peaceful. No. I mean, and the the good guys win. Yeah, like, like arguably, you know, it's like everything John McClane does is like self-defense, essentially. Like, you know, these sure. guys come in, they're going to murder everybody. Uh, they're literally, their plan in the movie is literally to blow up everybody. Yeah. Like, they're going to put them all on the roof and then blow the roof up so that while they're trying to, like, figure out what, how, like, what, you know. They're going to distract everybody by killing a hundred hostages yeah. on the roof, and then they're going to sneak away in an ambulance. And but and we're we're not exactly arriving at an ultimate conclusion of like yeah, peace is better. Right? No, no. Like it, if this had ended with Hans Gruber like laying down his arms and being like, "You're right. The true meaning of Christmas right, is yeah. to be peaceful and spread goodwill." Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So I would say that one <laughs> not so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, next theme was the importance of uh, family, friends, relationships. Yep, and this is one of the ones that I counted. On, yeah, I, I would from. count. I, I think this one could maybe be stronger. Um, I think maybe if the kids had factored more into the story, this would be a stronger theme. Yeah. But I also think that 
uh, John McClane's desire to rebuild his relationship with Holly yeah. um, definitely fits into this theme. Yeah, and I thought their relationship's really interesting, too, because the movie it, it, it tends to avoid, and I'll talk about it here in a second, because this is the only slight wrench in it, which is a little thematically sort of, or uh, symbolically a little strange, but I'll talk about it in a second. But I thought the movie did a good job of, of, of having it kind of basically john mcclain take responsibility for their relationship falling out like it mm-hmm. doesn't just put the it doesn't just simply slap the blame on holly for taking this job and like yeah. going to hollywood or going to the west coast like john mcclain basically towards the end of the basically the end of the second act or whatever is like calls like apologizes not to her but to al telling him mm-hmm. to apologize that you know he wasn't uh, he didn't support her and this that and the other and that and yeah. so like their relationship falling out was sort of a, a two pieces thing but like he accepts a lot of responsibility for mm-hmm. it which I thought was interesting or you know made a lot of sense um, but yeah and 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 is a it's a really important part of the film is the yeah their relationship their relationship I think um, if the kids had factored more into it I think it would have felt a little more Christmassy yeah because that does tend that to be a, just the kids yeah aspect the, the kid it. parent aspect of it tends to feature strong. in a lot of Christmas movies yeah. um, then our our next uh, theme was valuing your relationships over material goods yeah and I would say no to this one yeah. So my point about this was that the that I thought it was a point towards this movie being a Christmas movie. So they set up early, and this is in the book apparently too, that Holly has this watch that's a Rolex, very expensive watch. Ellis is talking about how expensive this watch that the company gave her is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has it, and she's wearing it. And then at the end of the movie, it's what it ends up, as Hans Gruber grabs her and is falling out the window, he grabs onto her wrist, and he's like holding onto the watch, basically. Yeah. And then she lets go of the watch, and he falls. And I thought that, you know, she her shedding the expensive Rolex to literally take down the bad guy who's there only after money in the movie, they make that change. And I think mm-hmm. it that change, too, is interesting. The fact that they are terrorists in the book, whereas in the movie, they're just after money, I think is a more Christmassy, mm-hmm. again, because a typical, you know, the valuing relationships and stuff over material goods. If they're motivated, by, motivated in the book by political ideology... Yeah, that's that's yeah different. It's different. <laughs> Whereas in the movie, they're motivated by greed, and that's a very standard Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, uh, plot line. I can see that. I I like that. Um, but other than that, I'm not really sure this theme is relevant to yeah. the movie. Um, plus, I I don't feel like there's really evidence that Holly valued material goods all that much. Yeah. Like uh, to me, it seemed more like she just wanted to grow her career, and he was a dick about it. I agree, and that's what I, I thought was a little strange too. Is that it felt like the the watch was supposed to be this like symbol of her success, mm-hmm. but she's not super attached to it. Like, yeah. Like Ellis is the one who's like, well, being weird about it. And she's like, uh, whatever. Yeah. And she wears it because they gave it to her and she kind of had, you know, if she mm-hmm. wasn't like, they'd probably give her shit about it and be like, why aren't you know? Right. So she wears, but she doesn't seem to care about it at all. So like the idea, I agree that it weakens the, it, mm-hmm. the thematic power of it in the movie because it's not like something she's desperately clinging to. Yeah. And like, oh, and then she gives it up. She doesn't really care about it. Yeah. Like, but there is still something. There is still some some element of, you know, this this big expensive thing is uh, ultimately kind of it's not the downfall of Al, Al, uh, Hans Gruber. But <laughs> it is the last thing that 
right is like, keeping him yeah literally shedding it yeah. is what is um, what saves brings about victory again and saves the day it is but it's like but she didn't care about it so yeah. does it right matter? she wasn't valuing it and right. i think that we kind of need that importance yeah. there we need that the this person is valuing material goods yeah. over relationships yeah but i will say though i i think it's it would have been really problematic and gross for the movie to take it that direction where yeah. if she was because then it feels like the movie saying she shouldn't have gone and gotten this career yeah because, because no, I agree. you know what i mean but it doesn't do that and so because i was worried about that i was thinking about it i was like you could kind of read it in a weird way of the movie being like she needs to shed this this yeah this career she has you know this this watch which, represents her which career. is not an uncommon thing for movies to no, do i know but i feel like the movie doesn't do that yeah, it no, kind of rides a line way. a little bit like yeah. where you could almost read it that way but it doesn't because again she's not super attached to the watch she hasn't abandoned their relationship because of this job it's clear there were already issues before mm-hmm. they she ever left for this job uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I, and I, I think it helps too. Like you brought up earlier, that he does apologize yeah, he for not owns supporting of, her. Yeah. yeah, he own he owns a lot of being part of that problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the movie does not place the onus of that on her. Yeah. Um. Our next. But theme, if it had, it arguably oh. we would have been a more Christmassy movie. Yeah. But but I'm glad it didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. <laughs> um. So our next theme was uh, valuing childlike wonder and innocence. I would not say that the movie has this theme present. No. I would give that a no. That's a big, that's going to be a hard no. <laughs> um, and our final um, Christmas theme was warm fuzzies, sentimentality. Yeah. Uh, the sun's happy. The good guys are ultimately victorious, um, but it's not sentimental. Yeah. I don't think. Um, it. I, I, I'm not sure that, not that it can't give you, like, warm, feel-good feelings, but that's not what the movie is setting out to yes. do, which, and Christmas movies are specifically yeah. setting out to give you sentimental, warm feelings. Yeah. But not this movie. Yeah, I, I I agree that like you can get that from this movie. You can watch this and get a very warm, fuzzy feeling. And there is a little bit to it at the end. Uh, another little thing that I thought was interesting, uh, kind of funny and fun, was that at the end when they're because they're stealing bail bonds and uh, these big white sheets of paper that end and then they blow up the mm-hmm. building and then uh, the windows blow out or whatever. And so when they get down to the ground floor, all the bail, all the bonds or whatever are like snowing yeah. down around them and it's they're in L.A. so obviously it wouldn't snow. So it's, eh, you know, yeah. they're adding to that sort of Christmassy type of ending um, by having it snowing at the, you know, the final scene as the... Mm-hmm. Uh, the two uh, the uh, McLean and Holly like reunite and kiss and drive away into the sunset. Um, so like they're going for that a little bit. That sort of typical Christmassy like happy like yeah. But it almost feels more like a send up. It almost feels more like yeah. It tongue. It feels very yeah, kind of tongue a, a in cheek. A little like almost like a tongue in cheek send up of like it's a wonderful life. Right. And 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 you can get warm fuzzies watching it, but that I think has more to do with sort of personal nostalgia yeah. for the film as opposed yeah. to like. I, I, yeah, I think it's important there to make the distinction between a story that gives you a warm fuzzy feeling yeah. and a story that's specifically set out with the intention yeah. to give you a warm fuzzy feeling. Right. So, Katie, not a Christmas movie. 
I'm sorry, Internet. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't call this a Christmas movie. I would call it a movie that has some Christmas in it. Yep. Um, and that's okay, too. You are still allowed to enjoy Die Hard at Christmas time. Yeah, I think it may. I think it is. I will say this. I think it is slightly benefits from watching it around Christmas time because mm-hmm. of the Christmas aspects of it. Yeah. Like it's uh, it, it hits a little differently in July, maybe. Yeah, it's it's a better movie to watch at Christmas, but it's I would agree. But is not... it a Christmas movie like Rudolph or Frosty or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street? I would say no. No, that was where I landed. Mine was the same thing. It's it's yeah, it is, but not yeah. really. <laughs> it's got some Christmas elements, but to me, the themes aren't there. No, not 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 yeah, enough. not enough. Not quite enough. You can make an argument for some of them, but not enough. And I think also arguably not intentionally on the movie's part. Yeah, I think if they would have leaned a little harder into some of the materialism stuff, which yeah. they do, that's there, but it's not. We're mostly here to watch John McClane kill terrorists yeah. in clever way, like and and it's a survival movie. Yeah. Like it's and which it, the book is a survival book we talked about. He yes. watched Tower. He read. He watched Towering Inferno and then wrote the book. So it's really like first and foremost a survival action movie, mm-hmm. which is also at Christmas and has a little little hint. It's like it's genre A is not Christmas, but maybe like genre B, like you know, mm-hmm. like on IMDb when it's like crime thriller suspense. Like I would put number one. You know, it's like an action movie. Mm-hmm. Number two, like maybe a suspense slash mm-hmm. again survival, if that's kind of its own category. And then three, maybe maybe Christmas. Christmas. Maybe know? so it's like on the tier list, but it's not. It's not one. up there. No. All right, there you go. And now for the final final verdict: which one was better, Die Hard the movie or Nothing Lasts Forever? No. <laughs> Are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterward. Um, so in case you couldn't tell, I'm going to give this one to the movie. Yeah. Um, for one thing, it's a hell of a lot more interesting to watch action than it yes. is to read it. Always. Um, you know, in the book, the equivalent of the elevator shaft scene, it takes over a page to describe. Yeah. It drags yeah and i had to read it multiple times to suss out exactly what was happening and if you know you could compare it to something like lord of the rings where the action is basically like he drew his sword and rode his horse up over the hill kind of thing yeah which isn't so bad because that's easy to visualize yeah and then but, you could add flourishes yeah. in your head to you and then but in order for me to visualize what he's doing in this elevator shaft to get into the air shaft yeah you have to describe it so that the reader can orient themselves and understand what he's doing yeah. and it's too much it's too long it drags out it's not easy to read yeah and that doesn't add up to a good action scene i'm sorry but it just doesn't there you go now i do think that the book is darker um and it arguably has more interesting themes than the movie does um maybe more interesting commentary yeah but um i think it also could have stood to be quite a good bit shorter yeah uh we spend a lot of time in leland's head mulling things over, getting philosophical, revisiting his past, 
thinking about the airline stewardess. Yeah. Um, and unlike John McClane, Joe Leland has this very distinct I'm too old for this shit vibe, and his tangents are just not super riveting. I could okay boomer Joe <laughs> Leland. <laughs> Um, and then when you add into that the author's casual racism and sexism, um, what you get is a book that just wasn't all that enjoyable. Well, there you go. Uh, I think surprising no one, because no one's heard of this book, <laughs> and everybody's seen Die Hard. It's one of the greatest uh, action films ever made. Die Hard is better. I agree. Yeah. It's I I love the movie. It's it's a I think it's just a fantastic action film. I mean, it's it's a it's an 80s film that has some problematic elements as all of those mm-hmm. kind of tend to as every movie I mean, every movie does, but yeah, it's still yeah. really just a really compelling, well-made action movie that's yeah. just kind of gripping for the entire 2 hours and 12 minutes that it runs. Uh and again, I talk like the pacing I think is kind of perfect. Mm-hmm. Just a lot, just works really well. Um, yeah, so. though the book had major pacing issues. Yeah. You watched me struggle through oh, this yeah, book. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode. But before we get let you leave, we have a Patreon. If you could do us a giant favor... Go to patreon.com slash this film is lit. You can support us for as little as two bucks a month, up to 15 or up to as much as you want. But uh, our levels are $2, $5, and $15. At the $2 level, you get early access and ad free if we ever have ads. At $5 level, you get bonus content. So far, we've recorded episodes discussing Knives Out, which I just released to everybody the other day. It's sort of a little sneak peek at what you get on Patreon. Uh, we also recorded a review of Jojo Rabbit, which is uh, there for bonus content. Uh, and we'll be having more stuff coming up. Uh, I want to see Little Women. Mm-hmm. Although we may yeah. do that for an episode eventually. Well, but, uh, I was thinking because there's this new version and then there's like the definitive right. Winona Ryder version. Right. That um, eventually when we do Little Women, we could um, pull. We could pull and gotcha. see what people want to hear. This about. one's getting good reviews. So yeah. I'm interested to see. Um, uh, yeah, I want to see it too. Yeah. But there's a uh, bunch of movies coming out that we want to see and that sort of thing. So I'm sure uh, we'll have more movie reviews, more discussions, of that sort of stuff. We'll talk about, uh, you know, TV shows we're watching. Uh, we also had the bonus episode about Dollface and The Mandalorian. And mm-hmm. when those wrap up, well, we did wrap up Dollface, but once Mandalorian wraps up yep, here we'll, soon. We'll go back and revisit we'll those. We'll revisit and kind of give our final feelings on them, all that sort of stuff. So that's at the $5 level. Uh, at the $15 level, you get all that stuff. Plus, you get a shout-out every single week or every right. other week in our prequel episode. Um, you also get preferential... Priority Priority recommendations, which, speaking of... That brings us to... What's next, Katie? Our next item. Yeah. Um, which will be... Uh, the book Skipping Christmas, uh-huh. which delivered unto us the movie Christmas with the Cranks. Indeed it did, which I believe is terrible. I have never seen it. I have never seen it either. I had no idea it was based on a book. Um, and uh, the this patron request um, came to us not long ago, um, and the... It was, um, it, was, it was Susan Pevensey is an atheist. Susan Pevensey is an atheist. Um, and this, uh, this person requested it and said, you know, if you need to wait till next Christmas, that's totally fine. I understand. But the book is pretty short. Yeah. It's under 200 pages. Um, so I, I don't mind swapping that out. We were going to talk about the Polar Express, um, but since we just did a picture book, yeah. um, I was more than happy to switch this one out and yep. do something else. Great. Uh, it's a 2004 film starring Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis, Dan Aykroyd. It already sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I believe, uh, let's see what it's got here. Uh, it has 5.3 out of 10 on IMDb, so not great. Metascore, critic Metascore, 22. 
mm. out of 100. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 5%. Oof. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we're doing. It's Christmas so. with the cranks. Uh, this may end up being more of a roast than it is a comparison, but that'll be fine. Yeah, if, these are, those are always fun. If you're a good, bad, or bad, bad fan, you'll probably hear for that anyway. <laughs> Enjoy that anyway. <laughs> so come back in two weeks' time when we will do Christmas with the Cranks. Uh, in one week's time, we'll have our prequel episode where we'll give our shout-outs to new patrons and our recurring patrons, and we'll talk about, we'll preview Christmas with the Cranks and talk about some other stuff. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And happy holidays. <laughs> you never tell me when you're going to change it. I hate you. I always just come up with it at the last second, and I don't... I'm sorry. Keep uh, keep being awesome. Least favorite person. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs>